everyone. Welcome to the second episode of the Grizzly Augmented Reality Podcast. I'm Rich, I'm GM of Grizzly, and we're a specialist augmented reality studio. And I'm joined today by Regan, our lead AR designer. How's it going, everyone? How are you today? And we're missing Ryan, who uh, is usually uh, MC of our podcast, but he is on other matters today. So we're going to rip into it. And in today's episode, we're going to talk through some of the technology changes that are impacting the augmented reality space, what they mean for people who are building AR solutions, and what they mean for organisations who are bringing AR into their businesses. So uh, we're going to talk about some of the things that have happened over the last uh, six months and, and, and more recently, and uh, hopefully talk about some of the mysteries of what, what do these things mean. There's a lot of buzz about new developments in, in AR technology, but uh, it might not be necessarily clear to everyone what those mean, so we're going to unpack some of that stuff. All right, Riggs? Yeah. yeah All good. good. We'll rip into it. So I think, you know, obviously that the, the big moves from a technology point of view around AR in the last six months have been really the, the releases of AR Kit in the case of Apple and AR Core in the case yeah. of uh, Google. We talk, touched on that in the last podcast. And I think those have been changes that have solved some of the major challenges that previously faced AR designers and developers and have yeah. made it much simpler for companies like us uh, to develop augmented reality applications and solutions without having to worry about all of the complex maths behind getting objects to appear and move in the right place at the right time and some of that sort of stuff. So, um, Riggs, tell us from your point of view, what do you think the main things that ARKit and ARCore have solved from, from your perspective? So, so I guess before um, ARKit and ARCore, most of the technologies, just the, the tracking wasn't that great. Um, like, I guess what uh, ARCore and Kit have brought in one of the most powerful things um, would be being able to detect like flat surfaces such as tables, floors, anything that has um, like texture on it that it can pick up the shape. So what, what that gives the phone the ability is to have an anchor point of where it could reference everything to. Uh, before that, they were just relying on motion tracking, which just uses like feature detection um, to like identify points in space and kind of figure out where the phone is relative to that using uh, the phone's camera and as well as the gyro, um, gyroscope and accelerometer. Um, so that that is a huge, huge thing. And that's only became um, possible now with the update of software and hardware that um, ARKit and ARCore run on, which is the most recent phones. Obviously, um, you know, prior to ARKit and ARCore, there was Tango, which mm. was, um, you know, a technology that Google had invested a reasonable yeah. amount of time and, and uh, an effort into... Um, and in many ways, did a lot of did some things that AR Kit and AR Core still yeah. aren't fully capable of, right? But it was hampered by the fact that a lot of it was based on the hardware and the need yeah. for a, a specific type of camera, right? Which now these AR Kit and AR Core is, you know, they are um, doing that from a, mm. in the software rather than uh, relying on a specialist camera, right? Yeah, but at the same time, I I also kind of believe that's where it's kind of heading. Like if you look at um, Apple's latest phone, uh, iPhone X. Um, like the idea of like they're starting to use front-facing um, depth sensors. So I think that's kind of hinting at the fact that they're pushing in the same direction that Tango has. So I think I think you'll see that that will come back. I think Google's change from Tango to AR Core is kind of just to match um, Apple's release of AR Kit. So I think I think that's where it's heading. Which will make things interesting for Google, obviously, with yeah. way less control over their hardware, um, exactly their phones. Yeah. So they've really got to get. Uh, Corporation mm. from the well, obviously they've got control over Pixel, but yeah, they're really reliant on Samsung mm. and their other manufacturers getting on board, right? Exactly. So their their distribution of phones and the amount of phones that they have is is going to be a big um, 
challenge for them compared to Apple, who has so much control. Mm. Yeah. Mm. From my perspective, uh, it appears one of the major changes that Kit and Core have brought in um, in, t- in terms of tracking is, is removing the need for a, a marker, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been markerless. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about you know what that means and what the reliance on markers and, mm. and, and what, what that means now? So that, that kind of whole area, um, that comes down to what like in a research term is called SLAM. So that's simultaneous localization and mapping. So that's the problem of constructing a map of an environment and trying to understand where the device or the phone in this case is within that environment. So when there were markers, it was a lot easier because you're just looking for that one thing and you're only looking for that one thing in the scene. Um, so like a square marker, you'd look for like a certain um, shape, certain shapes that depict um, where that plane is, which is the marker. Mm-hmm. And from that, you would kind of realize your position uh, relative to you know the scale, the rotation, and the position of that marker. So now with AR Core and AR Kit, um, they're identifying key like points, and and using that so they're, they're identifying these points and using that to detect their position. Uh, so it's quite a big change from a user experience like point of view, then also just from like a technical point of view. Yeah, I mean I think from user experience point of view, I mean markers um, were interesting and. Um, mm. They could add, in some cases I've seen markers, you know, really adding to the user experience and were potentially part of the overall yeah. experience, but um, they're quite limiting in, in a number of ways, right? I mean, it's one of the applications that got a bit of buzz uh, from a marker, you know, marker-based AR was mm. the American $1 note, yeah. and, uh, you know, you'd use that as a marker and you'd put your camera at that and uh, the White House would pop out of that and you could yeah, do this awesome. sort of uh, <laughs> AR-based sort of virtual tour of the White House, which is, which is quite neat. But you needed to keep pointing your camera at the um, at the dollar yeah. notes, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and it sort of constrained the, the overall solution. I think, bit, right? I think it's quite a weird idea as well, like pointing your phone at like a like a marker. I think there's no other like technology or application where that really exists. So it's kind of a strange idea of like using your camera to look at something like that mm. in the image appearing. Mm. Whereas it's a lot more natural just to look through your phone and see it sitting on the real world. As a, as a portal to the, yeah. to the real world, yeah, right? Exactly. As a frame of, to yeah. the real world. Yeah. So I think it's quite a strange concept. Like whenever I show someone, they're always a little bit confused about what it is and why are we doing this. <laughs> so yeah, so obviously what, one of the what, you know um, one of the major changes that AR Kit and AR Core are brought about is, is removing the need for markers. Now yeah. you can obviously still use markers and you can still use image recognition mm. as, uh, as part of an AR solution, but, um, but that plane detection means that no longer a, a reliance, such a reliance on them. And um, so, so obviously we're, we're talking about AR kit and AR core almost sort of uh, interchangeably at the moment. Yeah. Um, but you know, are, there, are you seeing any major differences between the two platforms that um, Google are doing versus what Google are doing, and maybe how they how they're going about it? Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say um, they're a lot different. Technically, that they'd have they're, I'm sure they have a lot of differences in how they do it. But realistically, they're kind of both trying to achieve the same thing and going around the same path. So they're both using SLAM, um, simultaneous localization and mapping, as well as like identifying key surfaces and using those to like project an AR experience. Right. And also they're both looking at this idea of what you call hit testing. So hit testing is pointing like an imaginary laser from where the camera is against the virtual world. So using that you can interact with like the digital objects because you know how far away you are from that like digital object in terms of where the camera is. Mm. So they're they're all kind of going across the same the same ideas. Oh, and another thing they both touched on is um, lighting estimation. The idea of trying to work out how much light is there is in the room and 
adjust like the models of uh, what we have and the experience as well as the shadows to trying to coexist with existing lighting. So they're very, very similar. They're just targeting different platforms and doing it in slightly different ways. Cool. So I see the, the latest update uh, to Apple's AR kit brings in vertical plane detection. Tell us a bit about that. What, what does that mean and what does that mean in terms of the, the solutions that you can build on AR kit? So, so I guess before that, people were kind of trying to do stuff like that, but just use like the, the four planes. This idea of like how portals have became a big thing. It hasn't really changed a lot from like an experience point of view, I guess. The main thing is we'll just make the tracking like a lot better quality if you're planning to do stuff on walls. It's pretty much leaving it the same, except it's just creating better quality tracking, um, but then also making it easier for developers as well um, to make experiences that uh, like a wall projected rather than floor projected. Mm -hmm. So it really just opens developers' potential up a bit more. But also the great thing is um, with the rivalry as well, like Google now, for example, to build similar functionality to keep up with what like Apple's doing. It's a bit of an arms race, really. Isn't yeah, it? exactly, yeah. and it's 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 brilliant because when it was just Tango, it wasn't really progressing, and now they've actually had to turn around and go, okay, mm. we, have to, we have to keep up with what's what's the standard. Yeah, and that from our point of view, it's great, isn't it? The pace oh, of change definitely. in technology now and uh, things that were conceivable and uh, possible in theory um, previously, but mm. actually really hard, have now become really easy and one of the yeah. things that you know it, it makes our lives a lot easier is the speed with which we can create solutions right the speed with which mm. we can uh, take it from an idea to a prototype test the, the prototype is that what we're after and then take it through to proof of concept or production uh, solution mm. the speed of that is, is so much faster therefore the cost is lower therefore making the the, uh, the whole technology way more economically viable really yeah. uh, from our perspective in terms of those who are creating the solutions and for, for our customers so that's that's an exciting change there and uh, yeah that seems to be uh, only going to accelerate as the war heats up mm. between these guys cool and um, obviously you know so we've been focusing the, the chat on uh, AR kit and AR core but there's been uh, changes in some of the other platforms and some of the other major names that we're that are, are making you know significant investments and changes in Augmented reality, the likes of Snapchat and Facebook. Tell us what what do you what do you see happening there? Like, talk first, maybe about Facebook. What are they doing, and how do you see that fitting in? Yeah, so I guess what's interesting as well is um, like AR Core and AR Kit kind of have this um, like their their software development kits where you build all the AR uh, augmented reality experiences on um, is all quite publicly available. Whereas when you look at Snapchat and Facebook, they they seem to like hide away a lot more. Um, which is which is really it's a really interesting approach. So they have their own independent um, like applications. Like it's not built on the standard program of Unity, which makes it a bit more harder to get access to. Um, I mean, they, they are obviously starting to make more and more uh, of their platform available to developers, and, mm. and even in some cases, and we'll talk about it in a bit in, to to actual consumers about actually you know making their own AR lenses in the case of Snapchat. So Facebook have obviously got their uh, camera effects uh, developer program and uh, and they're opening up some of their platform to allow developers access to some of the AR tools there. So you know from it, from your perspective, what what does that sort of thing allow you to do and how does that compare to the, the sort of platform based mm. approach that or well, the open platform based approach that Apple and uh, Google are taking? So so Snapchat and Facebook um, they kind of focus more on motion tracking, um, but without surface detection in most cases. So they're focused on facial tracking, um, whereas facial tracking 
the way it kind of works is uh, they have like a 2D mesh and using that they can identify key points uh, relative to this mesh, for example like your eyes, your nose, your mouth, and using the contrast of light um, within the live image that's being fed from your camera, um, they can kind of match it up with this digital face, which you can't usually see, but using that they can create feature points and um, put digital overlays over your face that match your face as it starts to move as well. Mm -hmm. So they're using this 2D mesh in the same way kind of you think about how AR Core and AR Kit have feature points which um, gets this plane. It's kind of in a similar way except it's like a 2D mesh of the face. Um, so that's, that's, that's kind of the technology behind it. And then using that they just do like digital overlays on top of your face and creating crazy things I guess. Obviously, it's sort of limited to really the, um, I guess, the very front end of a of an augmented reality solution, right? You're um, you're putting some augmented objects into an existing world, whether that be you know little squirrels or whatever it might be, or adding a hat and a beard to a to a person's face, or you know turning a kid into a Jedi, or those sorts of things. Um, but in terms of being able to integrate with other serv services, being able to bring in. Uh, your own models and your own animations and things like that. Um, it looks to be a lot more closed um, yeah. in that respect. Have, yeah. have I got that right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's because it's it's built on their own platform, which um, where they kind of control what you can do with it. Um, whereas if you look at most other uh, software development kits like AR Core and AR Kit, they use Unity. Mm. Um, so so Unity is a game engine which gives you a lot of breathing space in terms of what you want to do, like you can access anything on the phone, from you know the GPS through to voice recognition, which which leaves it a lot more open. Facebook and Snapchat are really controlling like how people use their platform, mm. whereas mm. AR Core and AR Kit have kind of just put it out there in the world, and people are creating so get, all this crazy stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you can you know use anything. Yeah, image recognition. There's all there's all sorts yeah, of cool exactly. stuff there. So so they're quite different um, mm. in, in many ways, and in terms of uh, how they can be applied. You know, if you're yeah. speaking about marketing, what sort of problems you can you can solve with it really. I think the um, I think the long term application of uh, Facebook's AR is sort of yet to really be clarified in my mind in terms of how that's going to play out. Um, and and Snapchat, I guess, is you've mentioned it a couple of times, and it's sort of similar in many ways. I mean, I see uh, recently uh, they've they've opened up uh, some of the tools to be able to allow um, end users, consumers via the web to be able to mm. create their own custom lenses. I think they've got 150 odd templates that you can then use yeah. and you can create a custom lens for your birthday party or for your event or whatever mm. it might be and they charge you for the trouble, right? So again, it's it's far from the sort of open platform approach that uh, you know that Apple and Google are going for, but they're trying to achieve different things, yeah. right? Snapchat are trying to uh, achieve uh, active usage and uh, eyeballs, and you know, and ultimately trying to sell uh, sell that to uh, to brands. Whereas Google and Apple are offering a platform that you know that allow people like us to build solutions that then yeah. help pull through more of their hardware uh, and software. Really, so it's a two two different business models. But uh, from our point of view. You know, keeping an eye on Snapchat and Facebook, you know, to a lot of people, a lot of people's understanding of augmented reality is almost constrained to what they've seen on Snapchat and Facebook. So it's it's a you know it's something to watch, but really in terms of where the, the opportunity for a business like us yeah. lies, it's really around building the, the solutions on the bigger platforms. So you've mentioned Unity a couple of times, and um, I'm keen to understand and maybe talk a, a bit more about the relationship between Unity and the AR yeah. Kit, AR Core, how they fit together. Um, the different roles they play. Just unpack that a little. So Unity in itself, it's a cross-platform game engine. 
that allows you to create content pretty much. Even though it's a game engine, like you can use it for experiences, um, like augmented reality and virtual reality. Um, it's 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 just a really like open platform that could be used to pretty much build anything. So what? So you've been using Unity for years, right? Yeah, so what, what yeah, sort of things have you been using, using using Unity for? Um, so I've been I've been doing a bit of like data visualization stuff. So you can pull stuff from servers, data visualization. Um, I built a couple games on there. Uh, done done quite a bit of um, VR stuff as well, mm-hmm. and then of course uh, AR stuff. It's just an amazing platform. Like you can you can pull in any like well most like software development kits um, can can be used in it. Okay. Um, and so uh, you know if, if you've got AR, let's just say AR kit is doing the um, the pain um, detection yeah. uh, piece. So tell us then where. AR kit leaves off and, and Unity takes over in terms of the, the overall AR experience. So I guess I guess Unity packages the whole thing together. So so AR Core and AR Kit kind of run the software side of things, um, pulling in the hardware as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's Unity is like a packager. It packages everything together from using your gyroscope, um, the the game or the experience functionality. It pulls that all together. And then it also brings in like the software development kits, like, such as AR Core and AR Kit. Um, Unity also helps with um, building the package as well, like building the game. Uh, it's it's a very very quick process of pulling an AR Kit and then getting something functioning on the other side. Uh, it, it handles that whole thing. It does it does a lot of a lot of stuff that you just really wouldn't want to do. Outside of Unity, yeah. So tell you talk about the other side, just a layman like myself. So you know, we're saying mm-hmm. on the other side. Just just tell us a bit more about you know what elements there are on the other oh, side. Oh yeah, about. yeah. So so there would be um, you'd be looking at uh, pulling together all the logic, so all the scripts behind it that tell the game or the experience what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you'd be looking at the models, you know, uh, the physical stuff that's actually in the game. Uh, then you'll be bringing in textures, so what it looks like, the actual, you know, the materials of what the digital object is. Interactions, the animation. Interactions, yeah, sound. Mm-hmm. Um, the interactions, when you, when you say interactions as well, there's interactions between you and the digital stuff, and then there's interactions between the digital objects and other digital objects. So the AI behind that, it handles all that stuff, mm-hmm. which you write yourself, but a lot of it's kind of done for you. And it also has a, a really, really strong physics engine inside that as well. Mm-hmm. So that, that handles all your physics, which you don't need to calculate, you don't need to write any of that, which, which is a massive, massive thing. And um, one of the other names that, you know, that's been pretty much synonymous with uh, augmented reality, mm-hmm. certainly uh, was a big name in augmented reality before AR Kitten Core came along was Vuforia. Tell us about that, what it does, yeah. and, and what do you think it means um, you know these these changes over the last six months. What does it mean for a company like Euphoria and what they uh, offer? Yeah, so so if Euphoria, I guess it's it's an, like an augmented reality focused company, um, but they have quite a broad range of services that they do inside like augmented reality. Um, so they they've started off with doing the marker based tracking, and then they've moved on to markerless as well, and then they've also pushed towards image recognition. So they have this. Um, tool where you can you can you can scan like a three D object and bring that into the experience and use that as a marker the same way that you would use like a two D like plane marker. Um, so they're they're just they're another um, software development kit that's uh, a competitor to AR Core and Kit, but 
focus on taking like a more general market of devices. Of course, it's cross-platform, right? Mm. So it's, it's yeah. not uh, Android or iOS specifically. Exactly. Um, so that's a huge advantage as well. Yeah, that's right. And I guess that, you know, from our perspective, it's something that's a, a genuine consideration when you think about, you know, mm. if you wanted to reach Android um, Android users, but, you know, we're talking about the, uh, the constraints around Google getting uh, its AR core out onto enough devices, it's yeah. going to take quite some time for that to happen, right? So in the meantime... Mm. Victoria offers an opportunity for companies like us to be, you know, all brands to be able to reach those Android users without having to build um, native mm. uh, AR core-based experiences. And I think I think that's a like a very important thing for as well if, if we're if they're pushing towards creating like multiplayer experiences. Like that's the problem right now is that AR core and AR kit can't really communicate very well. Yeah. Both developed by different companies and don't really have any intent at the moment of making them like cross-platform between the two. Standards, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that whole uh, multiplayer piece—that's something we're going to say for another mm. another discussion because that's a whole other uh, whole another curly one in itself. Yeah. I think um, you know it's fair to say that until some of the technical constraints around getting you know genuine multi-user multiplayer mm. AR experiences where you're both looking at the same thing yeah. through different phones, but it's in the right place and and the interactions. You know, are, are simultaneous until you can do that. Then augmented reality still has some limitations, right? Um, yeah, definitely. And I know there's a lot of work going into trying to solve those challenges at the moment. Uh, you know, concepts like uh, sort of AR cloud type uh, technologies. Um, so yeah, I think that's a topic in itself. We might come back to that another day. But certainly, uh, that Vuforia offers some of that cross-platform sort of compatibility yeah. that means that we don't necessarily have to be constrained by um, by Google's challenges of getting yeah. AR core out into, out into the mass market. Um, you also talk a bit about spatial computing and that, that in relation to sort of an AR cloud concept. Do you want to just talk mm. to us a little bit more about what you... So I think, I think like, if you look at the, the, the changing landscape of AR, um, I think spatial computing is kind of where it's heading. So at the moment, we're kind of limited to, like, this layer of um, augmented reality experiences where it's on your phone, whereas spatial computing is kind of heading towards this idea of bringing it from the phone up to like a headset or a head-mounted display kind of thing. Um, and having having the content like as an ambiguous layer that sits within the world around us rather than being on our phone screens. So up until now, yeah, like I was saying, a lot of the experiences are mobile-based and they're kind of what you would call like tabletop like augmented reality, where it sits, sits on a plane and just sits there in front of you within the space but it's only meant to be viewed within a, like a few couple meters. Um, so it's, it's quite a big concept like itself, and I'd, I'd say that you know you would, would be pushing towards it within the next five years. But it's quite an exciting thing, um, seeing, seeing content change from like layers to actually physical space where we're not looking at it through the phone and it just sits within our space. Yeah. So do you really think that's five years? I mean, that that feels like a long way away at the pace of change at the moment. What, I mean, well, I, know, I, I know you don't have a crystal ball, mate, but what, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> It feels like those are the sorts of things that um, yeah. some of these companies like uh, Meta and, and Microsoft and mm. um, Magic Leap are trying to solve right now. Is, is, have I got that right? Yeah, I guess I guess from my point of view, it might be from like a developer's point of view, where, whereas I see it having been something that I would use, but maybe everyone wouldn't be using. Mm. Um, in the same way where AR is at the moment, right? Um, but yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say um, like that's kind of where like HoloLens and like the Meta are kind of yeah, it will be a while before it becomes like standard, I'd say. So, 
obviously this whole space is changing rapidly and there's some exciting stuff happening yeah. every every other day. No, in fact, many times a day there's uh, <laughs> there's news coming out of new technologies or yeah. new technical advances that are, are really making this whole space move very quickly and um, it's a really ex exciting place to be. Is there anything else that you think that you've sort of seen over the last a couple of months or, or, or even weeks that, you know, have made you sit up and take yeah. notice? I think um, I've kind of been keeping an eye on um, the idea of web AR for a while. Like it, it popped up with um, Google Tango about a year and a half ago, the idea of being able to view like AR experiences through the web or connecting it to the web. Um, but yeah, Google recently have uh, just, just started showing um, like their ideas around how they could see AR being integrated to the web. Um, like that's that's pretty exciting. Uh, we'll chuck that in the links as well. Um, but just just being able to like go on a website and then see something like a 3D model, click on it and see what it look like in the physical space and be able to examine it mm. around it. Like yeah, the way the way that they've done that and like the interactions around it, like on on their examples, oh they're like scrolling down the screen and it starts moving like this physical like 3D model. Like that's that's a great interaction to kind of push people towards interacting with it in a physical space. Mm. Yeah, so that's uh, that's the article 3D model viewer, right? That's, yeah, that was that, yeah. that was released uh, earlier in the month, and yeah, obviously again, there's no AR web standard today, but mm. these are sort of the steps that you know Google are, are taking to try and drive that because yeah. you know one of the things that constrains some of the potential of augmented reality is the, is the need for an app, right? At the yeah. moment, well, at the moment it, it's very much constrained to a phone, and then phone-based AR is, is largely constrained to an app until we yeah. can get to the point where we've got. Um, browser-based AR, right? And I know Google are really keen to try and uh, they, they seem to be making the big moves and trying to make mm -hmm. that a thing. Yeah, so I think that's something that we're certainly going to watch really closely over the coming months Definitely. because I think uh, I think that really changes the game in terms of how quickly and how broadly you can get AR mm -hmm. solutions uh, in market and then adopted. Because being able to start an experience within seconds in AR, that's, that's pretty revolutionary. That's right. I mean, right now, you can build the best AR experience, but you still need somebody to go, oh, they've got an app, I'll download the app, yeah. now I've downloaded the app, I'm going to fire up the app, and now I'm doing the experience. Yeah. There's a lot of friction in that process, right? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So re reducing that would be would be ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So it's exciting. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I mean, I know there's, there's plenty we could talk about there, but we're uh, we're just about out of time, so we'll, we'll cut across and we'll do a few news articles, stuff that we've seen uh, happen over the last few weeks that, uh, that we think are exciting or relevant, and so... Google's debut of Article 3D Model Viewer was one of the things that we've just talked about. I think that was something pretty noteworthy over the last couple of weeks. Mm. Um, so we'll, we'll pop a link in the uh, show notes on that. Some of the other things that caught my eye over the last uh, over the last little while since our last pod, I see Pokemon Go's creator Niantic acquired a startup called Isha, I think that's pronounced right, Isha Reality. So. Um, and that we talked earlier in the pod about the constraints around creating genuine shared or, or multiplayer experiences yeah. in AR. And I think, um, you know, clearly that technology that those guys at Isha Reality have built is, is looking to solve that. And Niantic are obviously pretty keen to get their hands on it. So uh, yeah. an acquisition there, which I think is, is an interesting one. I think that's really going to push um, AR Core and AR Kit to start publicly doing a bit of work in that space as well. I mean, Apple are talking about it, but they're talking about it in um, in next releases of iOS, and, and yeah. you know they're really talking many months away. Um, so mm. maybe what Niantic have done might put some pressure on them to move on that because yeah. it's certainly one of the things that um, that we'd like to see solved, and will make uh, you know open up new possibilities for for mm. ourselves, and more importantly, uh, will open up new opportunities for businesses who want to create genuinely interactive multiplayer ex AR experiences. The big thing of AR as well, right? Like the social interaction is, is probably one of the one of the largest parts of what makes AR meaningful. 
Absolutely, and interact with other people as well as digital objects. Um, just quickly, because uh, we're just about out of time, the other thing that I spotted was Intel's new AR glasses, which is, I think, quite an exciting development. They've built some technology that actually projects information onto onto the retina of the wearer. Mm. So they're only really talking about things like, you know, I guess a relatively small amount of information like calls or messages, yeah. or but rather than having a camera and projecting it onto the lens of the, the glass, I guess, it's actually uh, projecting on, onto the retina. So there's no immersive gameplay or, you know, this isn't a gaming solution. It's not a content consumption kind solution. Like productivity kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. But it's a... Um, but a, but a way to get you know uh, information to people in real time and and bring in some of the benefits of AR without having to either use your phone or have large clunky yeah. glasses and a camera that makes people feel a bit weird about it. So, yeah, it's uh, the thing. I think it's the great thing that they, they just look nice. Like they look like normal like glasses, not like Google Glass where you can totally tell it's a camera recording. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So uh, so some interesting stuff there. I think you know again big big steps towards wearable AR. Mm. We talked about Snapchat releasing their um, custom AR lenses. Again, interesting-ish, not cheap. You're going to pay by location. You basically yeah. go in and you fence your area. It might be the block that you live on or the park that you're going to have your uh, event in, and you book them out a certain amount of time, and then you use some of the, the templates that they've got there to create some custom lenses. Um, can't work out whether I'm excited about that or not, but it's a thing. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, from what I can tell, it's not super cheap. But uh, Go Snapchat. So yeah, those are the, the main things that I had picked out. So you got a link in here about a new app that, that Google have released? Yeah, so um, I think it's I think they've just improved functionality on one of their maps, uh, motion stills, but they've brought in like an AR mode, which it's it's not the most innovative extension on the app or feature. But at the same time it's it's I think it's it's great that they're pushing out functionality or features inside their existing app just to just to get it more prevalent and apps that already exist without so this isn't pushing AR core and AR kit as well. It's just using uh, like a general motion tracking kind of system. It seems to be pretty good quality. I was, I was quite surprised. Um, it's one of the strongest I've probably seen without using specific hardware and software. So it's it's, it's pretty awesome. And it's, it's a great step again um, that they've done there. Nice one. All right. Well, I think that's uh, we're out of time, possibly even a little bit over for this episode. So we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Um, obviously, there's a, a lot going on in this space. It's moving very yeah. quickly and... Uh, one of the uh, reasons we're doing this podcast is to try and uh, help people keep pace with what's going on and, and, and why it's relevant to them, help unpack some of the news uh, and help them sort of understand what's happening in the space. Obviously, every week there's stuff that happens that makes this uh, even more exciting and I think it yeah. opens up more possibilities. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, cool times. All right. Cheers, Rich. Cheers.